Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, here we are again. Baby, I'm excited about today, and you know why? Why, why are you because excited? We have not had anybody from a medical society on our show, and healthcare is such a massive thing in the marketplace. I'm so excited to hear what our guest, Michelle, is going to talk about today with engagement and tell us what she's learning and what they're struggling with and just how they're dealing with it. It's such a huge deal nowadays. So we got Michelle Laws. Michelle is, is that right, Laws, L-A-W-S? That's correct. Yeah, Not that's just right, one Dave. law, multiple laws. That's funny. I go the other way with Dave Will. Many people refer to me as Dave Wills. Uh, and I'm like, no, yeah. just one Will. You're the other way. No, we got a lot of laws here. <laughs> a lot of laws. I'm married into, and it is a lot of them. <laughs> okay, I, call so him, have, I call him Dave Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just continue on here. Michelle Laws, uh, Chief Experience Officer with the North Carolina Medical Society. Um and, and so, Michelle, the way we like to do this, we get to know you a little, we get to know the association a little, and then we just go in circles talking about engagement and so on. And I think one of the interesting things that I'd like to touch on at some point in the North Carolina Medical Society is not unlike uh, half of the associations out there, according to one study I just read recently, I don't know which study, but about half of the associations out there have shrunk in size many of that, much of that, I should say, influenced by the aftermath of COVID. And, and so we'll talk a little bit about that, knowing that uh, and NCMS shrank and was victim to that as well. That's correct. All right. So Michelle, tell us a little bit about you. Where you, where'd you grow me. up? Yeah. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into this magical world of associations? Yeah, so I grew up, born and raised in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Go Tar Heels, although we had a rough night Saturday night, but um, playing uh, uh, the Duke Blue Devils in basketball. Oh, but March um, Madness is here, isn't it? March Madness is here, and we're in Tobacco right. Road. So, um, yeah, so I grew up, born and raised in Chapel Hill, went all the way, I tell people, with the exception of three years, went all the way from elementary um through undergrad. So I am a UNC alum. I um, That's where I got my undergraduate degree in um, mass communications. And then, um, you know, went left as a young um, aspiring journalist uh, or co communications person, moved to DC, to Washington, DC, and worked in that, that, that town for a while as a Campaign press secretary for a congressman, um, engagement person for a nonprofit, the um, National Crime Prevention Council. Which okay, was so this is where Ruff. this is where you just slipped into nonprofits. Sorry, tell, yep, tell me about I that did. transition. So well, you're, you're actually, in politics. There were other there were other stops along the way. <laughs> um, yeah, so we moved to D.C. and worked in uh, for the National Crime Prevention Council, which is the home of McGruff the Crime Dog, if you remember. Oh, right. I remember yeah, McGruff. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that was is his home. Is he still around or no? Um, I think he is, but the organization is, um, you know, has, has I think, dismantled. Um, it's a lot smaller. Uh, it was a huge organization at the time and very popular, um, doing a lot of important work, uh, crime prevention and I oversaw um, 
one of the youth crime and victimization prevention programs uh, and worked with community-based organizations, including the Girls and Boys Club around the country. But anyway, decided uh, after four years that I had enough of the DC life and moved back to North Carolina. All right, so M Michelle, how did you start working? What, what brought you to the North Carolina Medical Society? So during one of my, um, you know, periods working for a, um, a nonprofit, it was a community health coalition. Um, this was after I had gone back to school um, to VCU this time, School of Medicine, and got my PhD. So I went down the PhD track um, at a med school at VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University School of Medicine. Some people refer to it as MCV. Uh, I wanted to really work for a nonprofit or an organization that worked um, to improve health outcomes and particularly for uh, marginalized populations um, and, and including rural um, people living in rural communities. And at the time after graduate, after my PhD program, I was hired actually again by the state and worked during the COVID pandemic, uh, the early part of it. And, and got a call to see if I was interested in coming to the North Carolina Medical Society to do some of the work that they had heard I did well. And that was um, engagement work. And, um, you know, coming up with strategies to, um, to make sure that, you know, consumers were engaged as well as physicians and physicians assistants, okay. which are our members. We're going to get into that engagement piece. Before we do, tell me a little bit about North Carolina Medical Society. We know we, we learned 10,000 members, 32 employees, about 9 million in revenue. So we got the gist of the size. Seems to be like a medium-sized association, mid-market association. I would say it's, a, it's medium. It's a little under 10. I mean, it's under 10,000. Um, in members, we, we're working on it. We haven't gotten back there, but it, um, we lost, as you mentioned, um, members and revenue through members um, um, during the COVID pandemic. So, who are your members? So, our members are licensed physicians and physicians, physician assistants in North Carolina. So, why did you lose members? It seems to me like that would not be effective. For, negatively okay, so we serve mm -hmm, so we serve both um so our members make up those that work for hospital systems as well as those who are in private practices so independent practices took a hit um people having to pay out of pocket or we just um uh, struck a deal in our general assembly to expand medicaid coverage but North Carolina during that time had a, a, a large proportion of people or, or, or percentage of people who were uh, uninsured, who fell in the gap. They didn't qualify for Medicaid and they couldn't afford the least affordable plan under the ACA. And so um, our clients who serve people who pay out of pocket when a pandemic hits and you either lose your job, you lose your health care coverage. Um, unfortunately, people make the decision that they don't go to the doctor. And so um, just like every household or many households, 
in the United States at that time, and certainly in our state. People had to make budgetary decisions about what they what was a priority. And association membership for some was not a priority um, right. to continue. And so that's really how that. And then we also had something happen on the hospital system side where um, hospitals, at one point we referred to them as our super groups where they paid for their member, they paid for their staff to be members of their professional associations, um, changed and uh, also had to make budgetary decisions, largely because of the the, the the burden that COVID placed on, on even large medical systems. And so um, we saw with our super groups that paid for their members to be members, they too had to make budgetary decisions and they decided that they wouldn't pay whatever that was. Um, so, you know, our membership, our cost is 475. If you're a super group and you were paying for a thousand of those, you know, or however many, 800, 500, 400, you know, whatever the number it was. Um, well, you're not alone. You're, you're not alone in that. The, again, a study I saw showed that um, very few associations have been growing in the past few years. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think maybe this year we're seeing growth, recovery type of growth. Yeah. Um, what do you think is, is there anything that you think has become even more important from an engagement perspective post-COVID? And Tom, you're next. I, I'm dominating this conversation. Usually Tom and I'm, I are fighting I, I, over I'm, I'm letting you have your time because I Thank know you. I dominated the last one. I'm just, Dave, no. just carry the ball. I'm going <laughs> to. No, you can jump in. So do well, you, my, well, from an engagement perspective, though, Michelle, do you find as though they're, uh, I asked it better the first time. I don't remember what I asked, but like, did you find as though there's like an engagement shift in mentality since COVID? So I, I think, I think Dave, a couple of things are happening, right? So um, one, we are seeing younger physicians, younger professionals are engaging in different ways. And being a member of an association, which years ago and um you know meant a lot it was a status uh it was a, a way to network it was the primary way to network mm -hmm. with people in your industry and in particularly in our industry it's the medical industry right profession so um so the younger uh professionals are engaging in different ways social media has opened up a whole you know a whole new world of um, engagement, um, of finding out information that you feel or that is critical to your um, professional development, your networking, your building your network, um, and, and just information sharing and dissemination as a whole. So that's one thing, that's part of what's happening. This younger um, professional group is engaging in a different way. And so associations that want to, want to survive that are dependent upon members, um, bringing in new members, uh, they need to figure out how to do that well, how to do content marketing well, how to um, utilize social media in an effective way as an engagement tool. And Have so you guys figured that out? Pardon? 
Have you figured well, that out? Well, we're working on it. I think we're making some some good leeway. I, I think headway. I think um, some of the things that we're doing. One, I have a a, a mixed a, a team of you know young professionals as well as um, you know mid career level older. So we've got a very diverse team that is um, uh, thinking about this every day in our on our comms and marketing team. So I think we're we're seeing some 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 interesting trends as we look. Um, um, at our data, as we evaluate SEO and and, and different people, uh, the traction that we're making use, utilizing different uh, mediums or um, marketing and communications tools. So we haven't figured. We, I mean, I would bottle it and sell it if we had the magic answer. But we are You'd be I an entrepreneur. We, I think we are seeing some interesting um, trends in terms of growth tied to our marketing and communication strategy that includes um, a better use of our social media platforms. And so then, Michelle, what, what, how, how, how many of the, what is the percent of the total doctors and PAs that you have in your state? I mean, how, how much market penetration have y'all made in terms of members? Uh, that's a very good question because we have, we're about, we have penetrated about, I would say, right. The last time I looked right at about, 35 percent mm -hmm. um so yeah and so how, how do, i know a lot of associations when they have that many non-members how do you engage or disengage the non-members versus the members how much do you let non-members see do you let them see anything i mean so how, how do you kind of balance the two of them to get non-members to want to be part of the investment in the industry by being a member that's right tom so 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 one of the things we do we do have some benefits to that are members only that we have behind what we call the members portal or firewall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are some things that you can't get access to unless you are a member, some information that you can't get unless you log in as a member, right. you only get a login number, uh, you know, password once you become a member. So we've got some things behind the firewall and those are, those include everything from, you know, um, you know, Hot off the information that's hot off the press that we will release right. in a time in a in a sequential manner. So our group, our our members get it first, and then we will um, trickle it down to non-members once it's. I won't say old news, but it's not you know hot. And then we also have benefits, right? So we've got beautiful resorts. Let's just use that. So it's not all professional. We've got professional benefits. So a whole package of. Um, benefits and, and particularly for independent practices as well as for individuals. Um, so we've got a whole um, portal of uh, insurance solutions and business mm -hmm. solutions. Some of that's available because of our partners, our business partners in the in the insurance industry, for example. Some of that's available to everybody to find out about and right. others it's available only um, to our members to be able to take advantage of. So they know about it. So, and that's a marketing strategy, right? We want right. To, them to see how great our products are, but in order right. to get them, you have to be a member. So we do some of that, some of the teasing, right? So, um, and we use um, different strategies to do that, but we also have leisure, right? So we've got beautiful resorts, all, you know, from the mountains to the sea, um, to our coastal lines in North Carolina. So we have partnered with with some of our top resorts, the Grand Over, um, the Umstead Hotel, uh, others that want to do business and that that they know that our business, that our clients 
physicians and physician's assistants right. are the ones that will buy at that level, right? Sure. Um, and so, um, so we've got benefits that only they can get um, at these resorts and so forth. So we do business solutions and we also have leisure um, benefits that we offer. And then the experience, right. we sell an experience too, which tends to attract uh, the early career and the mid-level career. You know, by the time you are, you've been practicing for 30 years, you're seven you're years, <laughs> you know, going to uh, that, you're like, yeah, been there, done that. I, my right. uh, my kids will been are doing that. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, they're just trying to wait. Some, they're just they're, they're just trying to wake up and survive every day. <laughs> yeah, they're like, look, I'm not trying to go out to the like we're we'll we are having a, a social um, next week for uh, young professionals at a beer garden that right. a partner that wants you know it helps them co marketing. They get their product out. We get our brand out, um, and so um, so there are different experiences like that that we. Tease out to non-members and then some that only members know about, period, because it's. So how, so how when you look at those three, I love, I love how you put them in three different buckets, because the way we look at ours is we've got information member, information only members who are people that pay the dues and then they get our report, anything they can get for free. Then we have uh, transactional members that actually give us money for something. And then we have what we call emotional members. And those are the people that get in our young development program, our meetings, and they volunteer because they got an emotional connection to us. So I love how you put them in buckets like that. But how would how would you think your how would you think your association defines and how from your perspective, how did you feel like your association defines engagement? So you hit it, one of you, did you ordain? Um, any and every way that we interact with our members, I tell mm -hmm. my team is engagement. Mm -hmm. And then we categorize it. We we sort of put them in buckets based on what it is we're trying to achieve in terms of the level of engagement. So right. yes, we have members that are you know we there. There's informational. So that's where we tear that off. There's informational mm -hmm. engagement. So we don't sector the members off as informational and emotional, but we sector off the um, the type of engagement at that level. Yep. So yep. it's informational engagement, you know, that that basic everybody gets something, um, some form of information. And we need that. Right. So um, when we when we're talking, for example, advocacy, we just had a big win with the Medicaid expansion fight that had been going on for 10 years. Um, so with our advocacy work, which is one of the benefits that people say that they that they enjoy the most is knowing that while they are, and then this is our tagline for this year, while you are serving patients, while you are protecting patients, we are protecting you, you. And That's so, awesome. and while you're serving patients, we're serving you and you're interested about it. Right. So we've spun it around different kinds right. of ways. Um, and, uh, so, you know, some people get the information we want them to know. We want every physician to know every physician assistant to know whether they are a member or not, that we've got a team that goes over to the general assembly and advocate on behalf of, of doctors and PAs in our state Right. So with the hopes that when there's a big win, um, or when there's a win at all, that they will say, dang, the medical society did that. You know what? I'm going to join today. Right. 
I haven't joined and I, cause I felt like, and this is what I, this is what I get when, sometimes when people, when I ask them about joining, they were like, I just don't feel like you represent my best, my, not best interest, but I just don't feel like you all are doing anything that represents my interest or that I'm interested in. And when we do hit that mark, whatever that bullseye is for them, that sweet spot is for them. Um, oftentimes it is because they heard about it through what we, our morning rounds or through our, um, uh, e-newsletter that goes out to everybody. And then we've got one that goes out only to members. So the one that goes out to everybody is a teaser. So it says to find out more, click here, and then it takes you to the membership page to join, to be able to access it, right? So right. oftentimes people find that out um, that way. So and then on the emotional side, I talked to my team today about our marketing strategy. I, I asked them, I said, I told him, I said, you know, I'm not seeing anything right now that's evoking emotion. I'm seeing a lot of text heavy stuff um, in the content. I'm not seeing any nothing, you know, yes, it's creative in the way it's wording, worded if they read it. I'm not seeing right. anything that I'm seeing too much text. I'm not seeing enough video on, on social media. I'm seeing enough. I'm, I'm seeing too much at, at, uh, second part or third party information. What about us? We were at this meeting. Da, da, da. So every now and again, I will do an assessment of what our teams right. are doing. And I'll talk to our VPs and say, like today, um, I said, you know, I haven't seen anything this week that really evokes emotion uh, around some of these issues. So I need, I need a mama, I need a, 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 a you know, a patient, I need somebody, right? Um, and so that's kind of, you know, our approach to, um, to, it, to, to engagement. It's, it's, right. uh, you know, are we? Is, is it time to do that emotional appeal? Well, you, you said you said something that you said something that struck a real big chord to me. The member that the, the non-member that said you're not representing our best interests, and and truly, after 27 years of doing this, I think that's the largest cop out ever. They're not wanting to tell you the real reason mm -hmm. because I, I know there's people that just don't believe in spending money for association. They don't want to tell you. They don't want to tell you that um, because I always look at what association isn't representing the best interest of the overall process. Now, are there some that have a different business model that think you should be doing things differently? I think so. But I think for the most part, I think, I don't think that to me, that's never been a really good reason to not join. Tom, because We've been no, in agreement for I, too long. I, I then, Now it's time. I'm going to disagree with you here. First of all, I, I, I knew, say, I knew. Let me, she, go ahead, Michelle. You're, you're may, may I say, may I say something about that, Tom? Um, when I started hearing that, was after the Dobbs decision, and we did not put out a statement because we have po we have a policy committee. We did not put out a statement about um, the impact that that decision would have in the uh, in the medical world, right? Sure. Um, our physicians, our OBs. So we started getting pressure on the advocacy side sure. um, for the medical society to take a strong stance against what just happened with Dobbs. We've never taken a political stance, right? And we considered at that time that to do so, that would have been a, a political statement, right? Right, right. Um, and, and it was often the way. So so I must say the times that I've heard that, that you're not representing my best interest, it's usually following some hot political topic or a, or, or a, a policy decision that somebody doesn't like. We've got members across the yeah. spectrum in terms of political sure. interest and, and right and belief and ideology. Um, and so that's where I where, where we usually hear that because if I say, oh really so tell me more what do, what can we do more? 
they immediately go to a policy sure. decision. Well, I think that's such a huge a, a huge challenge for associations because all of our members are all of different ideologies. You know, some are conservatives, some are liberals, some are left, some are right, some believe in certain things, some don't. And so, but that one I, member doesn't care about that. They just care oh, no. about their position on that. Oh, I agree. I agree. But I, I'm just, I'm just thinking, I think it's a real challenge for associations to find the balance of how do you, how do you steer close enough to the center where you're not pushing one half of an industry, a big chunk of them somewhere else, because you're not on the same page with them. In, in so terms there's, of their we're talking about two different things here. One is what Michelle actually said was, cause I wrote it down. She said uh, that I, the member says, I just don't think you're doing anything that is of interest to me. What you interpret that as, and Michelle kind of ran with this also, was I don't think the association has my best interests in, in, in mind. Two different things. Best interests in mind, we're talking about advocacy, usually a political position, right? Mm -hmm. And you're right, there's, there's some draws and uh, you know, a lot of associations take a position, some don't. It's, it's hard, that's a really difficult debate to have. The conversation I'm more interested in getting into is uh, addressing individual interests. Everybody has a unique individual interest. Now, this is striking a real chord for me with, with my company because the, the idea of, of, of matching up all of your benefits, your, your opportunities where you can help your members deliver a better service to their patients, all of those options, and there's a lot of things you can do for your, for your, uh, for your doctors and your physicians and PAs. And finding what it is that's of interest to this specific PA at this point in time and matching them with the benefit that's important, that's the key. And so that's when you right. said, this really struck a chord for me too, 20 minutes ago when you said you studied an undergrad, mass communications. Mm -hmm. The, the concept of mass communications makes me shiver now, wow. being in the yeah. business I'm in, where mm -hmm. my business is about maybe uh, scaling individual communications, mm -hmm. communicating one-on-one -on -one with people, like a human actually does in conversation, kind of like we're doing here with three people, but the idea of connecting with an individual so you can understand what's relevant to them and have an exchange with them versus mass communications, which right. essentially implies well, broadcast email. Let me say I was, that was back in 92. Right. Uh, things so, have changed, <laughs> haven't they? Things 30 have, years. Things have really changed. And I've tried to stay um, abreast of, of, of the trends in, in the comms and marketing world. But um, you're absolutely right. So what I tell my team to do is always think about um, tailoring and targeting and, and, and segmenting out our message and also our engagement efforts. Just because you've identified me, and I'll stay with young professionals for a moment, just because we just had a whole meeting today. Um, uh, just because you've identified me as a young professional, I'm also, I could be a mom. I could be, you know, first generation, which is one of one of our members said to me, um, who's, his, who's Latina. And she said, um, you know, the Hispanic culture includes multi-generational, often includes multi-generational households. And oftentimes these young physicians are taken care of because they, in most cases, will be first generation here um, in the United States. Some are not. Some are multi, you know, two and three generations in physicians, 
dad was a physician, his dad or her dad, and so forth. Like my friend's father was, but he was a physician in Argentina. And so she says to me, "You're this new members campaign that you all are doing, um, you haven't really, I haven't seen anything that speaks to um, young professionals that are in these multi-generational households. Um, and so I tell them, I took that back to my team and I said, hey, look, let's look at you know some of the stuff that we're doing. We've got a large percentage of um, you know, Hispanic and Latino physicians in this particular area and so forth and so on. We need to really make sure that we're tailoring our messaging and that our engagement activities will speak to the needs of everyone. Um, and so the way you do that is you segment within your uh, within your your target population. Okay, we do that on the regular, on that but it's exhausting. Done. It's exhausting, right? So they say, "Oh, we just want to send this out," and I said, "Well, you're sending it out, but you are you you're missing. I can guarantee right. you that you're missing a segment of the population, even within." You know, you've disaggregated the groups, but you, I mean, you've, you've, you've disaggregated them from the larger group, but you also need to always ask, how can I, how can I segment, not how can I scale up, but how can I scale down, actually, and so, um, or, 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 or go down. So tailoring and, tailoring and targeting is, they, it's, it's built into my team's head because they, they know my, you know, I push back against saying we did something mass or globally. Michelle, I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit to tell you that okay. I do not believe segmenting is enough. What you're doing now is you're talking to all Latinos as if they're this person. You're talking to all of them as if they are, that they have the same. Oh, no, we know the cultural need. nuances. I'm just simply, and there's no way you can do it, Dave, that, that speaks to every single nuance. That's where you're wrong. That okay, I built, well, tell I built, me. and I'm I'm gonna well Teach okay I'll, I'll give I'll give you the 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 brief overview because what okay. you've just done is said tell me about PropFuel and this is not no. uh, I don't normally do this Tom will attest to this but this is just such a perfect um, okay. challenge this right here when entrepreneurs say they saw a problem they saw a hole in the market and they went to fill it mm -hmm. that's what this entrepreneur did when it came to that problem. What what most organizations do is they're going to send out a message to, well, people want to send a message to everybody, right? And that because it's easy. That's what we did with mail. That's what we did with email fax. Yeah. And then came email marketing, right? Marketing automation makes it easier to do drip campaigns, makes it easier to segment. And so now we're collecting all this data and we put people into little groups. So now you're talking to groups of people with like messages. Mm -hmm. What we do, what I propose is that we ask people a question just like you would in human conversation. So mm -hmm. if you were to bump into, what's, what's your friend's name? Just the first name, your Latino friend? Well, she will be known because she's very known. So we'll just say V. V, okay, V. So you run into V, uh, you bump into her on the street somewhere. You say, hey, V, what you been up to? And based on how she answers that question, you now know what's relevant to her right here and right now. Mm -hmm. Just V. Mm -hmm. And so by starting with a question, mm -hmm. for instance, new member onboarding, instead of sending them stuff based on segment. So if we know V is a, is a Latino uh, PA of a certain age group, and we're going to put them into that, that cluster of information that we believe they want, instead of doing that, let's go to them and say, hey, V, we're so glad you're part of the association. 
Why did you join? What keeps you up at night? What's so the we problem? do that, right? So I don't want to say that that we just jump to segmenting. So we do um, members member surveys like um, quarterly, and then we do them by uh, members that are active, members that are have dropped or lapsed. Why did you drop? What what experiences did you like? What were your what's the strength? Da, 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 what what do we need to do better and different? So we do um, and then we do uh, new members um, or non-members. So part of that data, and that's my you know, that's my researcher's hat, part of that data does drive how we segment messages and uh, or groups to message uh, or create our comms uh, strategy. So we, we don't just segment without knowing how to segment them or without just, uh, I mean, we don't just segment them just for the sake of saying we have segments. And we don't, and, and, and oftentimes what we do is I tell my team, don't try and let's go back to the Hispanic and Latino population. We, there's no way we could create, um, our comms material or collateral and send that out to Guatemalans who are different from Puerto Ricans, who are different from Dominicans, who are different from Argentinas, who are different from Spain, people from Spain, who are different from people from Belize, who are different from people from Brazil, who are different from, so we, I tell them, there are cultural nuances you're not gonna capture. It's the same if you're communicating to blacks, right? So African-Americans who live in the South and, are very different from African-Americans who live in the North and who've only lived in the North. I'm not talking about those who've migrated. I'm talking about those who only. So we don't even try that. But I tell them that there are some commonalities across cultures, within cultures. There are some common things that most that are in, of interest to people. So for example, most parents love their kids and want them to do well. How they do that or demonstrate that or show that varies. Yeah. Right. What I need you to, uh, this is my team, what I need you to get to is the fact that most parents love their kids. So you need to do something that is, that includes kids that have, that shows kids, parents loving their kids. I may not have the means to send my child to, you know, Europe for the summer. But that doesn't mean I don't want my child to have a wonderful experience in the summer. So it's those kinds of conversations. I mean, you know that. So when I say when I say we segment, we of course we consider cultural differences or nuances within groups, but we also look for commonalities across groups within these segments that we can message around or market or um, use to engage them. So I want to be clear on that. So Tom, we are at, I think that point in this conversation was rich and it went quickly, uh, but we're creeping up on the hour. So I think we got to get to the last stage. You good for that, Tom? Yeah, let me, let me just follow up on Michelle's, because I think one thing I, I can appreciate about where uh, the hole that Dave has filled. So for 20, for many, many decades, we did surveys, right, Michelle, to come up with the segments or, the, or seg segments of subsegments to get it down to enough of a group of people that we could find out what do they want and what can we deliver but what and when they fill out those surveys you click an answer and you go into a cluster of people it tells us oh 35 percent of our members really have this is a pain point they have 20 have this but what i love what today what, right right right, right but, right, it's cross-sectional it's very rarely sure. well we do 
to some, but watch what out. I love what Dave's what the gap he's filled and why you know I think associations are really stepping into this is because instead of them clicking and going into a cluster, they click and go in a cluster, but when they click, they go off to a path that that you heard from from past individual members that this is a really big pain point for me. So he's lever he's he's scaled in engagement. So instead of you having to have someone follow up on that person, they've been sent to a website that says, hey. You're a, you're a Latino uh, physician assistant. Here's some really key things. And so depending on which one you click, you get a different pathway that's mm, pertinent mm-hmm. to you individually. So I think for me, that's that's I the like real, that. that's the step yeah. later that it, Dave's. Thank you, to Tom. Table. I didn't want to go too deep with this, but yeah, it, it's about servicing the individual, not the segment. And and so right. ultimately it's like a, it's a choose your own adventure book where each individual over the course of a year, based on how they answer certain questions throughout the year, will have a unique experience. So there's not a single member that had the same journey as another member because each member has different interests. Whereas surveys tend to get aggregate data, the the concept, the hole that we're trying to fill is to get down to the individual level by providing individual experiences, by asking questions that get to the heart of what's relevant to them. Thank, thanks for clarifying that, Because the market is changing. You just said it, Michelle. That, that's their engagement level today. Six months from now, you send out another question to check out what their motives are. And all of a sudden their interests have changed because the market's changed. Right. You know, that's right. But I love it. It sounds like you, I love listening to you, Michelle, because it sounds like you have a very open yet specific way you're attacking engagement so that you stay in front of and on top of what's good. Cause that's important. She's been around the block. She may look 22, but she's been around the block, I think. Yes. So uh, Michelle, what we like to do at, at the very end of each podcast is and we'll go first to give you a second to think but we uh, tom and i will uh comment on one key takeaway or message uh that came out of the conversation so think about is there a residual message or something a point you want to make or something an enlightenment that came to mind over the last 40 or so minutes tom you want to go first sure so, so one thing, one of my big, my big takeaway from this is hearing Michelle talk about how she's listening to members. And when she listens and hears, especially if she sees common themes, you, she takes it back to her team and says, hey, I love your tailoring. You, you know, what, what, what did you say? It was two things, tailoring and tailoring and targeting. Yeah, tailoring and targeting off of what you're hearing from members. And you're taking it back to your team and challenging them to come up with the messaging that can really hit that marketplace. I, I love that. And so, I mean, a lot of people, they hear it. And it just kind of sits in their brain and they never go back and actually quite unpack it. They can't even do what they do. I've always done. And I love how you're going back and you're saying, look, this is what I'm hearing. And we got to, we got to do some messaging change so we can hit those people in the heart. Cause that's what it's about. Yeah. I, I actually, I'm going to take that. My takeaway is going to be the next piece of that. So I agree with you. Michelle is listening more than most. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the thought that this triggered for me, was this this concept of how do we go away from groups and segments down to servicing Tom, Dave, and Michelle individually? And that's the it it to me it just reinforced where the past six years of work that we've put into this. And and that's so to me it was more it was kind of a a revelation for me like yeah that's that's what we're doing right there so that, that it triggered that more of an emotion for me so thank you for that michelle what about you michelle what's the residual message for you 
Actually, it's similar to yours, Dave. I always, you know, when you challenged me to to say or to think about how are we focusing though or getting to the individual um, level and not segmenting, not staying in that segment um, uh, seg segmentation space. Um, you know, I felt I, I was like, yeah, always keep that in mind. And even though I feel like I'm driven that way, um, and that's sort of always the goal. Um, and, and Tom, thank you for acknowledging the listening part, because as you all know, sometimes boards are impatient and they want, oh, they, yeah. they're like, no, look, they we've done this. Right. They don't want to listen anymore. Where is your, where, where, we have some talking to do. <laughs> Whereas you're trying to say we're listening today. They're like, well, tell me today. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're like, are you doing your job? Because you can tell them you're, you're waiting to hear or you're hearing and thinking about what to do. So um, so I think, you know, letting people know, and especially in Oregon, we've been around since 1849. We were the first wow. association in North Carolina. Um, so um, that's a long time. So almost 165 will be uh, celebrating that anniversary next year. And uh, yeah, so, you know, pre-Civil War. And so we've got members who remember who have a long memory and um, and they remember how things were and they want right. to stay in that space. Um, so I think for me, it's, it's um, letting the individuals, all right, even if we can't always get to, you know, almost 10,000, you know, it, it, that's a lot of people to, to think about one-on-one, -on -one, but I always, it should always be a goal to think about sure. who that, who that nine, hundred and that nine you know eight thousand nine hundred and ninety nine you know whatever person is michelle i really enjoyed this conversation you are Absolutely. a live wire you've got <laughs> so much to to say obviously a lot of experience to share and so i i love having people like you on on our our little show here so thanks for joining us it was an honor thank you thank you for inviting yeah, thank me. you thank great. you michelle it's been great we hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already, and don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.